Welcome to the City Light Podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out online at citylightchurch.com. Today, we're wrapping up our series called Reply All. Back at our Easter worship experience, we surveyed everyone in attendance and asked them what questions they had that they'd like for us to answer. Well, we listened, and in this series, we're tackling the most requested topics that you wanted to hear about. Thank you for spending time with us today, and we hope you enjoy the message from the series, Reply All. Good to see everybody again today. My name is Jason. I'm the lead pastor here of the church. So glad that you're here with us. If you're just checking this place out, seeing what this place is all about, we're so glad that you're here. We're actually wrapping up a five-part message series that we've been doing in here called Reply All. And basically, this, this series started back at our Easter worship experience. We have a tradition here at our church that every Easter, we survey everybody in attendance, and we pretty much ask them a bunch of questions. But one of the questions that we ask them is, hey, um, what do you want to hear more messages on? What are some topics that you want to hear more information on? And so we, we handed that survey out, compiled all of that information, and then the last few weeks we've been putting those messages together. And, and hey, this is the Reply All series. This is some things that you've, you've thought about. And so uh, week one, if you were with us, we talked about a really big uh, topic that maybe doesn't get talked about a lot in churches, and it was to the topic of depression. How do I handle depression? That's a, a growing concern in our culture today. How do I handle the highs and lows, and that, that was week one. Week two, we talked about how to handle or how to raise godly kids. Maybe I should have said how to handle kids. Maybe that would have been better. Uh, but how to raise godly kids. And we had Pastor Greg Surratt, one of my spiritual mentors, in the house, and he was sharing a little bit about his examples, things that he went through on how to raise kids. Then, then that, the next week, we talked about how to hear God's voice. I think that's a big thing that a lot of people have the question too. How do I? No, this is God and not the pizza I ate last night. You know, is this, how do I hear God's voice clearer? So we talked about that one as well. And then last week we talked about how do I get past my past? I think that's another big one that a lot of people have. A lot of people are thinking about like, hey, I can't get beyond some things in my life. Like I keep thinking about some stuff. Things keep like arising. How do I get past my past. If you missed any of those messages, you can always uh, go on our YouTube channel or our uh, podcast, and all those are archived on there. Just search for citylightchurch.com or citylightchurch, and then all of those things are, are there. But today we're going to be wrapping up this series, and again, we're talking about another response to the survey that was really, really, really high. It was a lot of people checked this box and said, yes, I want to hear a message on this topic right here. And it's to the question, how do I survive life's worst moments? How do, how, how do I do that? How, it seems like I'm going through some stuff. How do I survive life's difficult moments, the worst moments? And maybe you can identify with this. And I think that some of us, our life is defined in these three little words. And it's the three words of, it's always something, right? Come on, like, it's always Something Like, there's always something going on. Like, whether it's, you know, like, I got a leak in my roof, I got a flat tire, it's always something. You know, my, my, my sub pump stopped working and I got a flood in my basement, it's always something. You know, I mean, it's like, geez, I got I to gotta cut the lawn again. It's always something. I mean, it's, there's always something that can arise that we think, and man, this is, this is the worst, I hate it. It's always something. My son, um, his, his flag football tournament and season just wrapped up and we had a he was in the playoffs they went undefeated we're at number one seat in the playoffs 
and we lost. Hang on a second. You can clap, but we lost. It was a great season until we got to the playoffs. And we lost in the first round of the playoffs, and my son was crushed. My son was just crushed as I was coaching the team. I saw them out on the field. The boys started crying, you know, and you could see the tears coming down. And we kind of rallied the boys together after the game and kind of talked to them. They were crying. And if you know my son, Christian, he is never short for words. And, uh, and he just was silent. And we, we got in the car, and I'm like, Christian, how you doing, bud? And he was silent, really, on the car ride home. And he was crying. I could see him looking out the window, you know. And he really was disappointed. And we got back to the house, and he went into his room, you know. And I followed him in there, sat him down, said, man, can you talk to me? What's, what are you feeling right now? And he's just like, Dad, this is the worst day ever. I, I just want to die. I just want to die. This is the worst day ever. And, and as a dad, here's what I did not do. I did not say, son, let's get some perspective here, okay? Like, this is just a flag football game. You just lost this. You didn't lose an arm. I mean, come on. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like, it's no big deal. You're going to have another game next year, and, you know, it's okay. To, you can't cry over this. And it's no big deal. Come on. You know, rub some dirt on it. You'll be fine. You know, it's like uh, sometimes we can have the attitude in life that, you know what, we can look at other people's worst moments and say, you know, that's not really that bad. You know, let's, let's get some perspective here. But honestly, when you're going through something, it doesn't matter how big it may seem to other people. If it's big to you, it's a big deal. And so I want you to know that today as we're talking about some of life's worst moments, uh, I'm not here to kind of put perspective your moment. Because when you're going through something, it feels like a really big deal. But there are some really big things that we can go through. Maybe it's not just getting a leak in the roof or a flat tire, but maybe we can, we can lose a job sometimes. And how do I handle that life's worst moment? I can lose a marriage. How do I get through that situation? I can lose someone that's close to me that passes away, maybe I think way too early. And how do I handle that? How do I walk through that life moment? So it doesn't matter what your life moment may be today that you think, man, this is just really bad. I'm not here, again, to say, let's get some perspective. You know, there's, there's a people going through a lot worse than you are. No, it's to say, hey, your emotions are real. The things that you're feeling are very, very real. But let's have a game plan on how to walk through some of these things and not let these, these emotions overtake us, but how we can really, truly uh, find God through every single thing that we're walking through. I love the Bible because the Bible is full of people who are not perfect people. I love that. Uh, there, there's no perfect people allowed in the Bible or in church, just so you know. We're all messed up in some way. If you don't think you're messed up, well, that's, that's your problem right there, okay? So we're all messed up in some way. And, and I love it because the Bible talks about that, man, there's broken people, insecure people, fearful people that God still used to do amazing things on this planet. Well, one guy by the name of Paul who wrote most of the New Testament, planted a ton of churches in Europe, uh, he said this in 2 Corinthians. I thought it was so good. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Let me pause there for a second. Here's a guy who did a lot of great things for God. I mean, wrote most of the Bible. I don't think any of us can say we did that, you know? Like, he's planted tons of churches, and, and yet he's at a place where he was in his life a guy that God was using to do great things said, man, we are far beyond our, our, what we could imagine. 
We, we were under so much pressure. We even despaired of life itself. In verse 9, he even goes on. He says, indeed, we felt, we had an emotion. We felt we had received the sentence of death. Like, Paul is not pulling any punches today. He's being honest. He goes, but this happened. I love this. That we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. I love that because Paul is saying, listen, we went through some stuff. I didn't like it at the time. It was really, really difficult. It wasn't, you know, what I would have picked for my life. But I see now, looking back on those moments of life, those moments, I see that God was teaching me something. He was showing me something. And it, and it was not to rely on my own wisdom, my own strength my own abilities, the things that I thought were really good. He goes, no, no, it taught me to rely on God and on his strength and on his abilities because he's got more strength than I have and he's got more wisdom than I have and more abilities. He, he was teaching me something in all of this. And then he says this, what I love. He says, he has. I love that. He, he has. So, so he's done it before. He's, he, he's been faithful in the past. He says, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril. He will, I love that, he did it in the past and he will do it again. He will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. I love that. It's a, he has, he will, and he will continue. I love that when you're walking through a difficult season of life, you gotta remember that God has been there in the past. He will be there in the future, and he will continue to be with you as you go forward in life. Sometimes when we're in that moment, we feel like the life is crashing down around us, but you have to remember, man, God is faithful. He has, he will, and he will continue. If he brought me this far, he's not going to leave me. He, he's going to be faithful to the end. Jesus even said, in this life, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome this world, that I will be with you to the very end. And, and that's some of the things we have to hold on to in the midst of going through some of life's worst moments. What I found in my life and what I see in a lot of times in, in people's lives that when we can go through something very, very difficult, I look at it like we have three responses that we can, we can have. When, when you're up against something, no matter what the, what the difficulty range is, we can have one of three responses that we can go through. Number one, I think we can, go th we can, we can avoid the situation altogether. When you're going through life's worst moments, you can just avoid it. Like, this is a problem. Just, I'm not looking at it. I'm not talking about it. I'm just going around it. I'm not even thinking about it. Or do you want to talk about it? I'm not want to talk about it. Let's change the subject real quick. Like, and, and we avoid it all together. We can avoid it. Or then number two, I found that we can do a lot of this too, and that is what I say, we deny it. Like, oh, I don't, that's not even there. I don't even, it's not even a big deal. How are you doing? Oh, life is great. Best day ever. It's like, what? Best day ever? Like, you're going through a really tough situation right now. Oh, yeah, I'm fine. Oh, God is great. Everything's wonderful. And we totally deny the fact that we're going through maybe one of our worst moments that we could be facing. But then what I think is what God is calling us to do is number three is you're not avoiding it, not denying it, but how to go through it. To look it straight on the eye, right in the face, and say, okay, I'm going through this because I know that God is going to teach me something as I go through it. I'm not going to learn anything when I avoid it and deny it, but God is going to teach me something as I go through this moment. So here's what I want to do today. 
Like I said, I'm not here to bring perspective and say, come on, let's really think about people got a lot worse than us. Yes, that's true. But uh, when you're in the moment, it feels like it can be the worst day ever. So I'm not here to try to bring perspective. I'm here to give you a game plan that when life's worst moments do arise of how you can make a choice. Because what happens a lot of times when we are faced with, with life's worst moments, we, our, our instincts sometimes want us to choose one way. But really what we should do is a choice in a totally different direction. We, we have emotions that say, you know, let's just go this way, let's just do that. But really what we should be doing is trusting the Lord and going a totally different direction than a lot of times our emotions ever want to lead us in. So I want to give you a game plan. And you may say, Pastor, my life is great right now. I'm not going through any of life's bad moments. Like, really? Well, let me just encourage you to take notes today because a bad moment will come eventually. Like, one thing I know about life is that everything doesn't stay rainbows and lollipops forever. Eventually, you get to a place where you say, wow, I can't believe we're going through this right now. And this is maybe not for you right now, but it's going to be for your future or to help somebody else. So if you're taking notes today, let me give you a few things that I found as a game plan and different emotions that we can experience when we're going through life's worst moments. Number one, what I found is that we can go through shock. When you're going through something, you can go through what I call shock. This is the stage where you're like, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe this happened to me. Like, I can't believe that they're gone. I can't believe that, that they left. I can't believe this. Are you serious? I can't believe that I got fired. Like, I, I can't believe it. And whether it's big or small this morning, we can all experience the emotion of just shock. Like, oh my goodness, I can't believe it. I want to encourage you, though, and let you know that, that God is never shocked, by the way. Like, God never is up there going, oh my gosh, I did not see this one coming. Wow. Like, God is never up there like that. And so he says, okay, I understand where they're at. I understand what they're going through. But a lot of times when we are in a emotion of shock, one of the things we need to realize is that shock really disorientates us. Like, like it really messes us up. And if you're in a season where you're just, I can't believe this has happened to me, let me just encourage you that, that you are the last person that you should be taking advice from, just so you know. Like when you are disorientated, when you're just like, oh my goodness, I can't believe all this stuff is going on, don't listen to yourself because you're disorientated. You don't even know what's going on. You know which way is up or down. And, and, and you can't listen to yourself because you're... Your emotions will lead you to a place that really is not where you should be going. But what I see in the Bible, one of the central themes in God's word, which a lot of times our emotions don't want us to be a part of because when we're facing it, we want to do the opposite. But one of the things that the Bible, the central principle of the Bible is found in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And it says this, it says, listen, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. The Bible, one of the central themes of the Bible is, man, don't do life alone. That when you're doing life alone, that you're, you're, you're going to fall and there's nobody's going to be there to help you up. That, that life is not made to be isolated. And our emotions want to be isolated. When we're going through a hard time, it's like, just give me a minute. I, 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 need, to, I need to be by myself. Honestly, that's, sometimes that's the worst advice you could give yourself. I just need to be alone right now. Because actually you need to surround yourself with people that are going to speak life into you, encourage you, be there. Maybe they don't even say nothing, but they're shoulder to shoulder with you saying, I'm with you. You're not doing this alone. We're in this together. And I love it because later in that same verse it says, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. I think that's, that's, that's crazy. It says pity is the person who doesn't have somebody 
around them. That's why we're a church full of groups. We believe in small groups around here. We believe in it so much that we encourage it. We talk about it all the time that it's important to get into a group because there's going to be moments of life that you're going to be walking through a difficult season. And it's great to be surrounded by people that can encourage you, build you up, and say, listen, I'm not going to let you fall by yourself. I'm going to be there to lift you back up. And I'm in a small group. My wife's in a small group. We have tons of small groups that are meeting all the time. I want to encourage you. If you're not in a group, it's such a vital part to the Christian experience and when we don't get a part of a group, man, we are missing something that God has ordained and set up for us to experience. That don't do life all alone. When life is falling apart, don't run away from God and run away from people. Actually, run to God and run to people. But the next phase that I think happens a lot of times in a season of going through life's worst moments and emotion that we can experience is sorrow. Number two, sorrow. And grief is actually a very healthy emotion. It actually is a very, very healthy emotion. I think it's okay to cry at times. I know dudes in this place, like maybe your dad was like, man, don't cry. Like, you know, you, you, you hide those tears. Like, you just suck it up. You'll be okay. And, and we don't cry. We don't show emotion. But Jesus showed emotion. He wasn't afraid to cry. Like, I love it because the, the shortest verse in the Bible, you want to learn a verse of the Bible, is, it just says, Jesus wept. That was a whole verse right there. Like, you want to learn a verse? Boom, you got it. Now you got a couple thousand more to go. But, like, it's just great. Like, Jesus wept. But it also says this in Isaiah about Jesus. In chapter 53, it says, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. I want you to know something that your grief and your pain today, that Jesus understands it. You have a God that loves you so much, and he not only loves you, but he understands exactly the grief that you may experience at times of your life. He says, I, I've been there. I, I understand it. I get it. But here's the thing that can happen is sometimes our grief can be a healthy emotion, but if we stay there too long, we can eventually become overwhelmed by our grief and that is not actually a very healthy place to be when our grief is completely overtaking us and overwhelming us. I love it. This guy in the, in the, by the name of David in the Old Testament, he said this when it came to some of his grief. In Psalms chapter 61, he says, Hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, he's saying, God, I'm overwhelmed. I'm crying. I've I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. I'm, I feel overwhelmed, but I love it. He says, I'm going to make a choice. I'm not going to be led by my emotions and my feelings right now. He says this. He goes, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. He goes, I'm not going to lead myself. He's like, God, I want you to lead me in this moment. I can't trust myself. I can't trust my emotions right now. God, I need you to lead me to a rock that's higher, something I can cling to in the season that I feel so overwhelmed. And I love David. I love, he's a great character in the Bible to research and look at it because, because one of the things about David is that he was a manly man. Like, he's a manly dude. And he's the same guy that fought Goliath, you know, David and Goliath, that whole story. And I love it because he not only killed this giant, sorry, ladies, but he cut that dude's head off. I mean, that's like a manly man right there. Come on. Like, he said, I'm going to destroy you. Let's go. Like, he's a manly man. But, but the thing about David that was so interesting, too, is that he not only was a tough guy, but he was a worshiper. He wrote songs and, and worshiped the Lord. And, and I know for some guys in here, when it comes to the music and worship, it's like, ah, 
don't know if that's for me, Pastor. Like, I don't want to get all feely-feel up in here. Like, that's just a little bit too raw, too emotional. Like, I'm, I need to be strong. I don't want to seem weak. I'm, I'm good. But let me just share with you. David was a worshiper, but he was one of the most manliest dudes around. He, he not only killed this giant Goliath in his early years, but he eventually began to lead Israel's army. And David was such an awesome leader and, and, and man among men that he, they even said in the Bible he had these guys called, called David's mighty men. And these were like the toughest Green Beret, Navy SEAL, like Marine dudes that you could ever think of. And they followed David. It even talks about one guy that they said that, yeah, this one dude actually, uh, one day well, he chased a lion into a pit on a snowy day and killed the lion. Like, that's the guy I want to have in my back, you know, when we're going through something. Like, hey, you killed a lion on a snowy day. It was slippery and wet, and you still killed one. You can hang out with me anytime. Like, you, we can roll together. That's awesome. Like, I want that dude to have my back. And, and, and David had all of these guys with him who were some of the manliest men, and, and I don't think these guys would have followed somebody who they thought was weak, who they thought was a wimp, who they thought, you know, wasn't really a great leader. But these manly men followed David because I think because he not only was a manly man, but he was also not a guy that wasn't afraid to show his emotion and show his love for God. The Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart, and he wasn't afraid to worship the Lord. He wasn't afraid to go after him. So here's why I'm telling you all this. Here, when sometimes when you are going through some of the most overwhelming situations where you feel sorrow, you feel grief, you have to, one of the best tools that I can give you as a pastor is to learn how to worship the Lord, how to worship him. That is one of the biggest things I can teach you. And listen, honestly, I can't even, I can't even teach this well. You just have to experience it. There's been so many times in my life when maybe I was going through a, a medical situation, something that doctors told me some stuff, and, and I would be in a hospital rooms, in my car, at home, and all of a sudden, the, the thoughts and emotions of fear will just flood my brain. Fear and anxiety and doubt and all of these things just flood into my heart and in my mind. And like I said, I can't even explain this that way. You just got to experience it. Now, I flip on some worship music, and I can't, I can't explain it. All of a sudden, it's like as the music begins to play, and I begin to worship the Lord, and I just begin to say, man, God, I'm, I'm here, like I'm worshiping you. All of a sudden, like every emotion that's been, that's been controlling my heart and controlling my mind just all of a sudden gets replaced with joy and gets replaced with faith. And all of a sudden, it's like all these feelings that I'm having are completely gone, and I'm ready to charge hell with a squirt gun. Come on, somebody. Like, I'm ready to go. It's, it's amazing. And, and one of the best things that I can teach you is, say, is become a worshiper, that, that worship changes everything. Don't let your emotion and your grief come to a place where it overwhelms you, but learn to say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to worship God in the middle of my grief. I'm going to worship him in my sorrow because it's going to change me. I need to make a choice not to sit there in my sorrow, but I'm going to actually make a choice to worship God through it all. And then the next stage in emotion that we can go through when we're going through life's hardest moments is number three, what I call struggle. We can, we, can get to the, we can get some great things going, but then eventually, I think we all get to a place of struggle. What I mean by struggle is that sometimes we can go through a season, a time where we just get mad. We get angry. We, we experience the emotion of anger where we're like, you know, I can't believe that they left. 
I can't believe that they said this about me. I can't believe that they fired me. Like, I'm so mad at them right now. I'm so mad at this person. I'm so mad at that person. I'm even mad at God right now. Why did he not intervene in this situation? And we, we can get mad at God even in the midst of all this. And let me just encourage you with something. A lot of times when we get mad and we get angry, we start to ask that three-letter question, and it's the question, why? We, get, we ask the question, why? Why did this happen to me? Why me? Why my family? Why my, my finances? Why my kids? Why my mom? Why, why, why me? And, and let me just encourage you with this, and that is that if some of the questions that we have, some of the, que- the why questions that we have, honestly, will never get answered this side of heaven. We're just never going to know the real reason why. We're not going to understand the whole idea and understand what's going on. But someday when you stand before God, it'll It'll all make sense. Oh, okay, I get it now. But on this side of heaven, it's like, I don't get it. And we, we get angry. We can get the emotion of anger and, and be upset. Even Jesus' own disciples experienced this. I love that in Mark chapter 4, there's this great story where, where, where Jesus and the disciples were out kind of ministering to the people. And, they're, and Jesus is in a boat. And they said, all right, we're going to go across the, the, the lake to, to kind of get away from some people. Come on, somebody. We've got to get away from some people sometimes. And in verse 35, it says this. He says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Jesus, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, he took him along just as he was in the boat. There was also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Let me pause right there for a second. I love this because, um, you know, Jesus, creator of heavens and earth, I'm pretty sure he knew the weather patterns in Israel during this season. And, he, and this shows me that Jesus willingly sent his boys into a storm. I just think that is so funny that he's like, yeah, there's going to be a storm. It looks all right now, but I know it's coming. All right, let's get in the boat. We're going to the other side. And I love it because sometimes we forget what Jesus said. He, he said, I'm going to the other side. We're going we're to make it. But sometimes when you're in the middle of a storm and life's worst moment, you begin to freak out like the disciples began to freak out. It says Jesus was, was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? It's like, well, teacher, where are you? Jesus, what's going on? Why are you allowing this to happen? Why am I going through this? Like the disciples in this moment, they're asking this question, Jesus, what is going on? Why? And I love it. It says he got up and he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, be quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? I love this because I think at times in our life we can walk through the season of struggle. We can get mad that we had to walk through something. That something We're going through life's worst moments. But one of the things that I have found I have to do when I get to this stage is I have to remember that even though I may be angry right now, that, that the Bible is full of promises that God has made to you and to me. And then even though that I may be angry right now, that I got to realize that the Bible says that Jesus said, man, I will never leave you nor forsake you, that I'm with you to the very end, that that there's nothing that will separate me from God's love. And I need to remember some of the promises that are in God's word because I may not understand, I may not get it, but I say, God, if if you said it, then you are faithful to complete it. And I'm going to hold on to your promise.
promises even though I don't get it. And even though I'm asking the question why right now, God, I'm hanging on to your promises even in the middle of it. Sometimes when we're walking through some of life's most difficult moments, we got to remember who is in our boat we got to remember that Jesus is there, and if he is with us, then we are going to make it to the other side. We're going to get to where we're going. We just have to hold on and trust in the Lord. And then number four, it gets to another place that, that I think happens a lot of times, and this is where actually it can begin to change for the better. I think we go through a season of, of these emotions, but then God can actually begin to do something in us when we allow him to. And number four is what I call surrender. When you're feeling life's worst moments, you're feeling like you're going through a hard time, You get to a place eventually, hopefully, where you just can surrender. And this is where you let go of the past. This is where you let go of those hurts. And you let go of the questions why's. And you let go of some things. And you begin to say, okay, God, I'm surrendering it to you. I'm giving it to you. And I I, I always look at surrender. And I say, surrender, how we define surrender is just the word trust. God, I don't get it. God, I don't understand it. I don't like this. I wouldn't have chosen this. But God, I trust you. I trust you that you hold my life in your hands. God, I trust you that that you know what's best for me. God, that you are going to be with me to the very end. God, I I trust you. I don't get it. I wouldn't have picked this. But God, I trust you. I love what Proverbs chapter 3 says. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths Straight. This is where I've learned to just kind of close my eyes at times and kind of like put my hands out like I'm offering him a gift. And I just say, God, I, I give you this hurt. I give you this season. I give you this situation. God, I give it to you because I can't, I can't hang on to it anymore. I need to surrender this moment to you, God. And when we begin to do that, then God begins to do a work inside of us. Because number five, what I call sanctification, is the next step in how we can begin to grow in our journey with God. And what sanctification really means, you may be like, what does that word even mean? I don't even know what that means. It sounds too churchy for me. But like, it's too churchy for me too. It's okay. But sanctification really just means that I'm allowing God to grow and mature me. Like, I'm, I'm allowing God to do a work inside of me to teach me some things. So I, the things I'm walking through, like I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to grow from it. I'm going to be better on the other side of all these things that I'm going through. I love what Romans says this in the message paraphrase. It says this in chapter 5. It says, we continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us and how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. I love this because this reminds me, my son and I, we love to watch TV shows. One of our favorite TV shows that my son and I love to watch is this show called Forged in Fire. I don't know if you've ever seen this show before. It's on a history channel, but basically it's a show where these blacksmiths you know, they compete to, to make some amazing knives and swords and daggers. I mean, it's cool. Like, I just think, it, wow, that's so awesome that they can do this. But they start off with, like, this, this nasty piece of metal, and they heat it up, and they just beat it. They heat it up, and they beat it. They heat it up, and they beat it. And it's like, oh, my God, how are they going to make something awesome out of this? But eventually, all of a sudden, you begin to see that as the metal begins to, to actually melt down, and they are able to, to, to really work it out, all of a sudden, you begin to see a blade start to come out of it, or a sword, or something really cool. And, and my son's like, Dad, can I get a sword? And I'm like, no, you can't get a sword. Sorry, son. I love you too much. And, 
But it's amazing because it starts off with something that doesn't look like anything. But these blacksmiths are so great at their craft that eventually it, it shapes into something beautiful. Something that it's like, wow, that man that has value in it now. Can you believe what this is come, becoming now? And listen, a lot of times when we go through stuff that we don't want to go through, listen, we surrender it to God and then we allow God to do a work inside of us. Man, he, it's like he is forging us. He is, he is shaping us. He's molding us into something beautiful. You may not like it because it's a little bit hard at times. It may not be the most pleasant thing. Nobody's like, hey, I want to get heated up and beat on. Come on, that's like excited. Nobody wants to do that. But listen, God does not waste your pain. He doesn't waste your pain. We waste our pain. But God does not waste our pain. And when we surrender it to him and allow him to do a work inside of us, he will begin to shape and mold our lives into something beautiful and something so valuable. He'll take every pain and turn it into something so great. I love it. First Peter, he says this. He, say, he says this. He goes, so be truly glad. I think it's so funny that he starts with this because nobody's glad when they're going through life's worst moments. But Peter's like, hey, be glad. He goes, there is a wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. I wrote this down. I thought it was so good. I said, my pain is either a jail that imprisons me or a school that shapes me. The pain that you walk, life's worst moments can either be a, a jail that imprisons you or you can make a choice and say, no, 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 this is gonna be a school because God is sanctifying me. He's working in me. It's gonna be a school that I'm that is shaping me into something awesome. God, I trust you. I don't like this. It's hard. It's difficult. But God, I trust you that you're shaping me. You're molding me. I'm not giving up. I trust you, God. And you're going to do something great in my life as a result of all this. And then when we get to that place, we finally get to the last stage. And it's what I put, number six, serve. Where we get to a place where we actually begin to allow God to use our pain to make a difference in the life of somebody else. God will take all of your bad pain. He'll take all of your bad moments. He'll take all of your situations that you feel like, man, this is life's worst moment. But when you surrender to him and say, God, I'm gonna learn something through it all. I'm always shocked that God will put you in a position, put me in a position where I'm sitting there talking to somebody who is walking through the same thing that I walked through maybe five years ago. God will place you in front of somebody that all of a sudden you're through conversation, that person at work, that person, you know, in your co-op, somebody like in your another school uh, person. It's amazing how, how God will place you in a conversation with somebody and you're like, oh my goodness, I went through that like three years ago. I went through that two years ago. And if I didn't go through that, now I couldn't stand here and give this person hope. I couldn't stand there and tell them, listen, I know what you've been through. I've been there. I can empathize with you. 
But now let me tell you about how God was faithful for me through it all. And I, I went through this, but look what God has done. And I want to encourage you that he has, he will, and he will continue to be faithful in your life. And God will use you to make a difference in the life of somebody else if you surrender. And you allow God to teach you. And then you say, God, take my stuff. Take all of my pain. Take everything that I didn't like at the time and help it to be a blessing to somebody else. I love what Genesis chapter 50 says. It says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. It, it, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. I love that. I didn't like it. You intended to harm me, devil. You intended to, this person want to harm me. But you know what? God's turning it for good. God didn't cause the bad to happen, but man, God isn't using it. He's turning it for good so that I can sit down and, and I can make a difference in the life of somebody else. There's purpose in your pain. Don't ever think there's not. There is purpose in your pain. And so I wrote it down this way. We have to choose some things. Our emotions want to choose one thing, but you want to, you, you want to get through some of life's worst moments, we've got to choose other things. And this is what I wrote down. It's going to be on the screen. I choose to run to God and to others. Like, I'm going to choose to worship God. I may not like it. I don't understand it yet, but I'm going to choose to worship God. I'm going to choose to remember God's promises that he has spoken over my life and they're all through his word. I'm going to choose to trust God even when I don't understand and I, I feel like I, I can't trust anybody right now, but I, I'm going to choose to trust you, God. I'm going I'm to choose that. I'm going to choose to learn from my problems. I'm going to choose to use my pain to help other people. People. I'm going I'm to choose these things. You want to make it through life's difficult moments, we've got to make some choices. Because what I found this last thing, I can't control what happens to me, but with God's help, I can choose my response. I can't choose what life's going to throw at me. You can't choose and pick some of the difficult things that you're, you're walking through, but you can always choose your response. And my prayer and my hope today is that, that I give you a little bit of a game plan. When you're walking through some difficult things, you can say, I can, I can let my emotions lead me, but I can make a choice today. Say, God, I'm going to let you lead me. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. If we could stand up today as we close this message, that would be awesome.